Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me from Southern California this week is Mr. Joe Daly, freelance writer and photographer whose writing regularly appears in Men's Health, Classic Rock, Metal Hammer, and a bunch of other publications across North America and the UK. And by way of his features... Joe has worked closely with Metallica, Marilyn Manson, Public Enemy, Black Sabbath, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and loads of other artists. He is a damn fine writer and a damn fine human. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thanks, Brent. It is awesome to uh, to be here with you. It's great to have you. So we were talking before the record button went on, and fun fact, you're actually originally scheduled to appear as one of my first five guests on this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> back in <laughs> april 2017 this is episode 161 that was a little while ago yeah never give up that's that's a great lesson for all of us <laughs> well i am i am very happy that we uh we finally made it to this point so yeah likewise another it's great to have you joe another thing that i didn't know about you until recently you're you're uh i wanted to bring this up you're a hockey fan down there in southern california is that right I am. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty badly affected by hockey. (laughs) So now what, so you're a, you're a Boston guy. I used to live in Boston, but what's the hockey scene like down in in Southern California? It's, it's huge. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, uh, obviously I grew up a Bruins fan Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, then I moved to Chicago and (laughs) I hate to date myself, but, um, you know, I, I I moved there before the internet entered people's homes. So like, I kind of didn't, I lost touch with um, with the Bruins, mm-hmm. and I just kind of was more of an observer of the years. But then, after moving out here, um, uh, the Ducks brought an AHL team back mm-hmm. into the city, and um, you know, I've been uh, I bought season tickets as soon as they went on sale, and so I've become kind of a psycho uh, San Diego Gulls fan, which has made me a Ducks fan by proxy. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, and I, I play a couple nights a week too. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know if my knees would agree with you, but <laughs> it's, it's well, fun. It's that's fun. cool. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. You're Did a Leafs you, fan? Uh, I am. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's it's tense up here, the Leafs versus the Bruins, as you know. Oh, very tense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The Bruins have the Leafs <laughs> number and have been, you know, in that position for a long time. So it's a touchy topic, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a hardcore fan, but as you can imagine, in Toronto, people are very, very serious about it. So, yeah, there's a little Leafs Bruins yeah. thing going yeah. on up here for sure. Yeah, I, I probably alienated a lot of potential listeners. But... <laughs> We're Ducks fan now, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Good. We'll play the Ducks angle. Go Ducks. Right. West Coast. Go Ducks. <laughs> All right, Joe, you've got uh, some great songs here. I love this list because Kiss Strutter 78 is on it. I think that's fantastic. So what is is the deal? So these are the songs that make your skin vibrate. So Strutter 78 is one of those. Yeah, you know, I kind of approach these like that made my skin vibrate in a way that kind of changed changed the game for me that really kind of, these are all kind of poignant songs for me personally, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't think anyone would say that strutter is like you know um the number one kiss song but yeah like i it was around 78 that i was getting into kiss mm-hmm. and um that was a huge year for them because that was the year they they released double platinum 
um, which, you know, is like their first <laughs> of 30 compilations. Mm. Um, and, uh, that was the year that the TV special, like Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park came out. That's right. So, um, yeah, so it was a huge year. And for Christmas that year, my dad got me double platinum and, and Strutter is the opener. And that was like, you know, it was just everything. Just that, that song opens up the album. It's just, it's, the riffs were so big and the chorus is great. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's built for 10 year olds air guitaring in front of the mirror. Well, I was thinking that when I was looking at your list, because I, that was my thing. I, um, I was nine when this came out and, uh, this was like my air guitar masterpiece. Like it was because it's got that, it's got that rewritten solo or replayed rather where Frelly puts harmonics yeah. in and, and kind of squeals those notes at the beginning, which is really cool. Amazingly cool. And you know, at the time I didn't, um, I, I listened to this before I listened to the original Strutter, you know, which was the, the debut, like the, the first song off of their debut album. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I put the two together, I, I ended up liking the original better and I wasn't exactly sure why, but then, you know, years later, you know, it kind of came out that when they redid it for double platinum, they kind of put a, a disco kind of groove onto it yeah um you know to keep up with the times and that's why they added that extra drum at the beginning and the, the second solo it's um yeah it was kind of modified to um, be more contemporary right yeah and you, you can hear the hi-hat and uh yeah it's got that disco treatment for sure big time i had read somewhere that paul stanley was not a big fan and he didn't really see the point of doing that over again. I don't know if it's true or not, but later on he'd voiced his displeasure with the recording of that or the re-recording of that song. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I've heard that too. He, um, I, I, he said something like he's, I think he's like, I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you can swear on this, but oh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was like, he, he was thinking it was pointless, you know, and that kind of goes in line with, you know, the whole kind of kiss philosophy that what we do at all times is the greatest thing ever. And needs <laughs> no explanation or improvement. <laughs> Exactly. But you know what, what blew what blew me away, like you know, when I like that when you look at that album, like that is a phenomenal compilation and like it, it they released their first six albums in three years. Yeah. And then like I, I, I think for all intents and purposes they were done. They've been milking those three years for, you know, the last four decades. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Those last three records, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun, they did put out two records in one year. Do you remember that? I think it was the last two. I like to say that Love Gun was the last album that kind of came out at their own accord and then they kind of got lost and started, you know, looking at concepts and other things. Right. Yeah. Licensing. But, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kiss. But Strutter's just a classic, man. Just it's 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 got everything you want in the song. Great chorus, great riffs, super catchy. It's just yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Great pick, man. Next is The Doors. In the end, this is a good pick too. <laughs> yeah, the doors. You know that. <clears throat> that's when I kind of uh, a neighbor turned me on to no one here gets out alive, mm-hmm. and um, you know that that biography, uh, Jim Morrison bio. So I read that book before I listened to the doors, and through that, I kind of, even though it was, you know, Jim had shuffled from his mortal coil, um, I was able to kind of follow that. Like I turned turned on to their discography through the course of the bio. So, um, you know, that debut blew me away. Mm-hmm. And this song, it was weird because I think this song like showed me that Brock could be more than just, um, the stuff I was hearing on top 40. 
and the Kiss albums that I've been listening to, like it could be something really provocative and, you know, not, uh, not something that you want to, you know, um, dance to or mm-hmm. fight to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's an epic, um, I guess it's, it's, it was really ambitious in a way that even I, I understood then that it was something put his boots on that just like grabbed me, you know, like just with that kind of mesmerizing organ playing in the background. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that spidery guitar work, like they, the, the sound that they conjured together is, is, you know, it's, it's one of the, the tightest and most innovative, I think, um, bands of, you know, of our generation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, apparently they, they did two takes of the song, no overdubs, nothing. It was just, straight on and i think they used the second one it's it, i mean I, i'm not surprised i think some of that might have been limitations to the, by the personnel um you know but True. it's funny like jim was always such a reluctant rock star but at this point here i think he was still you know this was their debut so he hadn't like been turned off by fame and you know addiction hadn't really pulled him into the throes yet so we really catch Jim at his most earnest and, you know, like his Southern drawl comes across in this song, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just, um, it, it, it's a long song, but it doesn't feel like it, you know, it's just, it's totally immersive. That's right. I agree. Yeah. Next is the sex pistols and anarchy in the UK. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, what a song, what a record. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw it was sort of like, you know, under famous last words, I remember I was like, it was, this came out in 77. And so it had to have been just, just around then I was, uh, on a family vacation and I saw a TV news special on the sex pistols and it just, they portrayed the, or this image of someone had thrown a pig snout on stage. Oh. And I was like, wow, like I am never going to listen to this crap ever. This looks <laughs> terrible. Like I don't want any part of this punk, <laughs> punk rock thing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, a couple of years later there I was with my sex pistols t-shirt on. Um, it's just, uh, it's funny because I think like, like I, I don't really, it's, it's hard to consider this punk. You know, I think that the, the attitude of the band was punk, right. And the lyrics were punk, but this is well-produced, um, classic rock. And Steve Jones's guitar in this is just one hook after another. Yeah, I agree. This is actually well-written rock. This isn't, you know, you think about standard punk and it's just, you know, the, the musicians pride themselves on the fact that they can't play, you know, in most cases, but this is, um, this is not that. I agree with you. I've I've always thought that of the Sex Pistols. They they definitely I, I think they get credit for um, you know influencing people, but I I don't hear them get as much credit as songwriters. You know, and um, even like the drums in this, like I don't know. I I like the fact that Paul Cook throws in a fill. You know, whenever he wants. Like I think it's cool. And yeah. Um, you know, and Johnny's vocals, Johnny Rotten. I mean. His vocals are great on this album. They're perfect for what they're trying to do. Did you ever hear that story, Joe, about how after the Sex Pistols disbanded, I can't remember what what label they were on, but Richard Branson, I don't think it was Virgin, but Richard Branson was was involved in this, and he tried to get Johnny Rotten into Devo, as they're saying. No. Yeah, true. I never heard that. Yeah. What happened? Uh, well, it didn't take. <laughs> Neither side wanted it to happen. But Branson brought him down to... Wow, I can only picture how that sounded. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? But that was a, that was a thing and that almost happened. Imagine that. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm kind of happy it didn't happen. I, I no, so me bad. too. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next on your list, uh, I like this one a lot. Slayer War <laughs> Ensemble from Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this this for me, like I, I had, you know, I was squarely in the metal camp. I thought I was in the metal camp, you know, when I got into college and, mm. uh, you know, I was listening to Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, um, you know, Dio had Dream Evil come out while I was in 87. So I was like, yeah, I'm a metal guy. And then, um, it, you know, this this album came out in 90 and I graduated college and I didn't have a job and I was just playing rugby and drinking. Yeah. And um, and on Friday nights, I used to watch Headbangers Ball and um, I saw this on Headbangers Ball. And uh, the video, like this was their first video yeah. ever, I believe. Yeah, it was. And um, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I, I actually haven't been listening to metal. Like this is metal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, um, you just see them like the heads bob and Carrie King had hair at this time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the technicality and the speed and the just the um, – you know, the, the, just the energy of this music was unlike anything I had ever experienced. And I knew that like, there, there's no turning back. Like this is, this is where it's at. Oh yeah. That, that's funny that that was your entry point. Eight, 83, I was down in the States and I bought, um, I was a kid, I was like 14 and I bought show no mercy just because I was curious and I bought kill them all at the same time. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And loved it. I mean, but it was a sh it was shocking, Joe. Like it shocked me. You know what I mean? Just those those riffs yeah. and, the, and just the 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 heavy the sheer heaviness of it. But yeah, this is a couple albums on Seasons in the Abyss. But like it, it's still that that riff for for um for War Ensemble is crazy. But also the title track Seasons in the Abyss is really great too. Yeah, and it's interesting because it really like um that that's a it's that's a great point. It's like it's that closes the album and war ensemble opens it. And they're two very different kind of sounding songs. Yeah. You know, the title track sounds like South of heaven, the album before that and war ensemble is more like, um, rain and blood, you know? Yes. And, um, you know, even then they had a lot of versatility that, um, you know, they weren't, I don't, I don't know if they were getting credit for it at the time, but it definitely showed that they were evolving even then. Oh yeah, definitely. I always found that the the track "Seasons in the Abyss" was a huge evolution for them. I don't know if you remember that video. Yeah, I do. They yeah. were, I don't know. It's like an Arabian kind of riding around on horses thing. It was, uh, it was very peculiar. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but awesome. It's funny. I I was at a um, I was at a like an event. Um, I guess last year um, before Nam, you know, the big um, music conference in Anaheim. Yeah. And um, Jose Mangan, uh, the, the serious uh, FM uh, XM DJ, mm -hmm. had a, had this like private kind of thing. They, they do a rehearsal the night before it kicks off and all these metal guys go and they jam at his clothing store. And it's, it's a really fun party. And um, Jeremy Wagner from Broken Hope was there mm -hmm. and um, he had the guitar that Jeff Hanneman played in this video. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, and I get to I get to noodle on it a little bit, and and it's funny because it was just you know it just um, it's an iconic guitar with a little Dead Kennedy sticker on it, yeah. and um, you know, and then I when I was looking at this video again the other day, I was like, holy crap! I held that guitar. I wish I could go back and tell me that. That's so cool. Thirty man. years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Jeff Hanneman passed away from, did he have some kind of a, like he was bit by a spider or something, wasn't he? Do, do you know this? Yeah. Story? Yeah. It's like they had that. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, Oh, I think he got in a hot tub and yeah, he was, uh, it was a spider bite and it just kind of, uh, you know, sounds like a horror movie, like it's flesh eating bacteria. Yeah. Something necrosis. I forget the, the medical name for it, but yeah, I mean, you know, that really just pummeled him and, you know, he had a lot of other health issues that were going on at the time, but that was kind of the beginning of the end for him. And, um, yeah, it was geez, just about you know, 10 years ago, was it? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, too soon. Oh, way too soon. That reminds me actually of, uh, you and I three years ago, um, had a little exchange. You would, you'd put a, a picture up on social media of a spider that was on the bottom of your chair, I think in, on your deck. And, uh, do you remember that? Was that the black widow? Yeah. And I made a comment saying, well, there goes my visit to your, uh, <laughs> I will never ever, ex- yeah. you know, expose myself to that. It was, that was crazy. That was on the bottom of your chair. You know, uh, it, it was. And, um, you know, the crazier thing is that, uh, by then I'd already been bitten in the face by a scorpion. Oh, so what? it's like a black widow, but by that, like when you've had that happen, like a black widow on your chair is kind of small potatoes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Where did yeah. the, where did the scorpion thing happen in SoCal? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was leaving, I was, uh, leaving the pool and, um, it felt like someone stuck a cattle prod right in my face. I didn't know what happened. I, I pulled the towel away and I saw this scorpion like leering at me. Oh my God. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. And what I, what I figured out later was that I didn't get the scorpion at the pool. He was, he was in my towel. Oh Jesus. Wow. That's terrifying, Joe. But I guess to your point after that, I mean, you know, spiders are no big deal really. Yeah. Yeah, make him a cup of tea. We'll see, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next on your list here. Now, I I don't know what this is. I've I've never heard of this. Is it is it agalok? Oh yeah, it's a tough one. Agalok. Agalok. I've never heard of this band. Yeah, yeah, they're um they're from uh, from up, up in Portland. I was gonna say up in Portland, down to you, but um yeah, you know they're um. Like I, I, uh, I enjoy black metal, um, mm-hmm. not, not all of it, um, but a lot of it. And I, I find that, um, like I like, uh, black metal as more than just kind of like a lo-fi, just like, ah, you know, just an angry, um, fast kind of like, you know, underproduced speed metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this band, they really, um, they had done a couple more acoustically, focused albums before this this was their third and it really it mixes it mixes black metal with like folk and psychedelic and um a little bit of death metal wow it it was the first time really where i could understand that black metal could have hooks and have kind of almost spiritual undertones to it oh Uh, that's um, interesting it's like kind of like yeah it's like pink floyd meets mayhem and um this uh, this is, I think, this is my favorite album of theirs. I think it's a flawless album, and it's part of the three-song suite that ends it. And it's just, um, it just, it's got so many uh, highs and lows, and it's, it's emotional, and it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's a gorgeous song. The, the song is called Bloodbirds. Bloodbirds, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, 
you know, if, if someone is not a fan of metal, this probably isn't the entrance point, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if, uh, you know, if you've had, uh, if you've got a little appetite for some of the heavier stuff, I mean, this is a really interesting and innovative take. And, you know, today it's funny, like a lot of black metal, uh, the American black metal comes from the Northwest Pacific Northwest, which makes sense because, mm-hmm. you know, it's woodsy and it's dark and it's grim and it's bleak and all those things that make great, great metal. Oh, um, yeah. But I think these guys are probably the, you know, they're probably the foremost American black metal band. Hmm. At least Wolves in the Throne Room and Abigail Williams are both uh, other other bands that kind of do this. But, um, you know, Agalock was kind of the, the pioneers here. I am going to check this out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, Joe, that is your list, my friend. Thank you so much. Brent, thank you. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed, enjoyed this. And, uh, yeah, as you said, long time coming. <laughs> I hate to knock it down to five from 10. You are definitely welcome to come back on with five more. I know it's impossible to just come up with five. So, Well, I, uh, I always uh, relish the challenge. <laughs> so, <laughs> wasn't that yeah, fun? Yeah. Wasn't that fun, though, like coming up with these? It was like it was, half the fun. It was great. Yeah. 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 It's a- agonized, sweet agony. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Joe, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the chat, man. I appreciate As it. As did I, Brent. Thanks a bunch. All right. Take care. You too. Take good care. Yeah. All right, this has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Joe Daly. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.